Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career with your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello everyone and welcome to Interference Cast number 2. Yes, I sound nasal, I'm a bit ill, but the show must go on. So the last episode with Tiff Qureshi was really well received. We had lots of messages asking about the next episode. So I'm really sorry to disappoint you, actually. This episode is quite a reflective episode. Look, Christmas for me and, you know, New Year's is a very reflective time for me. It's when I come up with new goals, new challenges. I mean, it's what led me to actually make this podcast. If you you look back at my first episode, I published that on the 31st of December. 2018 so um, naturally Christmas and New Year is always a very reflective time for me to come up with a new challenge so you'll have to wait just a few weeks longer for Dr. Tiff Kreshi's uh, Dal Part 2 I'm going to call it Dal Part 2 the spicy bit because it's full of the more nitty-gritty clinical bits so please join us for that one I've got recording with Jason Smithson coming up we're going to talk about onlays and vertipreps which is going to be pretty cool I've already done some recording with Steve Hudson, thinking of naming the episode What the Hell Is or Who the Hell Is Montgomery because, you know, a lot of this sort of consent stuff does, it can get very confusing. So we get into the bits about are consent forms really necessary and whatnot. So I've got the medical legal things coming up as well. But this episode is all about the, the book by Jordan Peterson, which is 12 Rules for Life and me and David Breton, I'm sure a lot of you know David Breton already, Mr. Positivity in UK Dentistry. We've, we've come up together with 12 rules for dentistry. We did a video recording and the whole video is actually on YouTube and it's on uh, Facebook. My Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash protrusive uh, and that's been received really well. So it's had two, two and a half thousand views. So just like before, if you prefer to watch a video, go ahead. You don't need to listen to this uh, episode uh, by audio. You could share it with someone. If you, if you found anything useful, please listen again or send it to someone. That'd be great. Before I go ahead and play the interaction between myself and David Breton, my, my pearl, my sort of reflective pearl, if you like, for this episode and for, for the year, I guess, is what are you going to do in 2020 that's going to challenge you? What are you going to do in 2020 that's going to make you step out of your comfort zone? For me, last year, it was to, you know, make this podcast and it's been, it's been great fun. I've really enjoyed doing it and uh, definitely I'll be continuing for, for the next year. So for a lot of people, it's something to do with changing their environment, with family life or work life. For a lot of people, it's exercise, it's, you know, a new way of eating, going vegan, going into a different type of diet they want to explore. I'm thinking of going keto personally, but what I'm committing to this year, 2020, is to do is take my Toastmasters very seriously. Now, some of you may have seen on my Facebook that uh, I joined Toastmasters a few months ago, uh, and that's basically a forum a, you know, a live forum for people who want to develop their public speaking uh, and something I've really enjoyed. And so um, as part of pushing myself, I've, I've joined a um, store, I've entered a storytelling competition. It's on the 15th of January in my local club in Richmond. Uh, so I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be really throwing myself out of my comfort zone. I've never done storytelling before, but I realized that you know, stories can be such a, a powerful way to, to send a message. I'm, I'm really excited to be sharing this story, um, so I'm, I'm working on it at the moment. But the story is of how we named my son Ishan, so that there is a bit of a story behind it. Maybe sometime I'll recite it on here. But um, so I'm, I'm doing that. So what are you doing? You know, and, and you know, let me know what you're doing. I, I love connecting with everyone who, who listens to podcasts, and it's been, it's been, you know, been great fun making new friends. What, what will you do in 2020 that's going to be a little bit different? 
just before we now join myself and David Breton with the 12 rules for dentistry, thanks to everyone who's signed up to Occlusion 2020. We've got some great characters coming. We've got people from Finland, Denmark, uh, all over UK, some more inquiries coming from all over Europe. So it is exactly what I wanted it to be, which is the Occlusion event for Europe in 2020. Last time I checked, there's about 17 tickets left. So it's going to be a sellout event. Please come and join us if you haven't already. The deadline for the mega early bird rate is 2nd of January. Thereafter, the price has increased a bit. So if you can join us, you know, please, uh, Dr. Michael Melko's course has been such a huge influence in my career. Uh, so come and join us. He doesn't really come to, to London that often to do his two-day program. So I remember the last time he did his two-day program in London. Uh, I went to Stockholm in November 2018 and that was phenomenal. So please join us for Occlusion and Lamb Chops, May 29th and 30th, occlusion2020.com. So let's dive right into the episode. David Breton, Mr. Positivity. Jazz, good to be here. Good to chat with you. Absolutely, and I, when, when, I, when I thought, right, I want to do something like uh, 12, rules, 12 Rules for Dentistry because uh, obviously the, the book by Jordan Peterson um, and a lot of other industries and professions have sort of made their own 12 rules, if you like, uh, and I thought, right, if I want to do something like this, there's only one person in the world I can think of who would match it so, so and who didn't do it justice, and that's you. No, I appreciate that. You know, it's, uh, you and me have connected ever since on these sorts of topics, I think, really. We've always talked about... Uh, things beyond the clinical side, I think, of dentistry. That's right. Do you remember the first time we, we met and we, we discovered our mutual interest for, for self-development and, and positivity and that sort of stuff? Do you remember? Do you remember? It was Pit Forward Award? It was. It was the British Endodontic Society, Pit Forward Award. Uh, and then it was actually you who introduced me to Tony Robbins. Yeah. That's quite life-changing. If, you, if you're the one who introduces someone to Tony Robbins, you've changed someone's life for the better. No, we've, uh, <laughs> we've definitely helped each other, I'd say. We've definitely helped each other. <laughs> Awesome. So, should we just dive right in? Dive right in. We've got 12, 12 thought-out big rules to go for, I think. Uh, so, yeah, let's get, let's get on and have a chat about them, really. Absolutely. And, and then for, for, for those uh, tuning in, and thanks for joining us, uh, you know, these 12 rules are, are what we make it. Have your own 12 rules. It's, you know, you, you might enjoy some of them, you might hate some of them. That's completely cool, okay? Weird. Is this something that me and Dave sort of looked at and agreed on? Is that, you know, actually, and there might, there might be some things that we haven't actually rehearsed this, so uh, there might be some things, and I said to Dave, look, if it's completely cool if we disagree on something. Uh, so so let, let's go. So rule number one for rule, you know, 12 rules for dentistry or 12 rule for dentists or everyone involved in dentistry is see everyone. Uh, so Dave, uh, I came up, well, I didn't come up with this rule. I pinched this rule from a book that's called uh, If I Could Just Tell You One Thing uh, by Richard Reed. Have you read that one? I haven't, no. So, so Richard Reed, he, he basically meets all these powerful people in the world and he just asks them for one piece of advice. Uh, and what Bill Clinton said was, see everyone. And what that means is basically that Bill Clinton, he, he has a very special talent uh, or a gift is that he makes everyone feel important from the person who opens the door for him from the taxi driver from you know big or small whatever he will make a child an elderly person he'll make everyone feel seen and he'll make everyone feel important which i think is so beautiful and the way i apply that to dentistry is sometimes you know when you're having a bad day a, a rough night's sleep uh, and you go into work and the, the nurse knocks on the door knock knock opens the door and says yeah good morning jazz and you know what if i'm if i'm on my computer and i go morning and I don't even turn to look around that's not doing it justice so so basically make that eye contact make that smile make someone feel important make everyone feel important mate I think uh, can't go enough to be said how much of a team thing dentistry is 
Um, and I've, you know, you see your nurse in particular more than you'd see your other other half. You know, you're with them all day. Uh, in work, some work wife. <laughs> yeah, work wife, absolutely. <laughs> and I think um, to make them feel appreciated. Um, I know some nurses definitely aren't paid and appreciated oh. enough sometimes. Um, which uh, you know. <laughs> is a whole different topic and uh, as an associate you know it's, it's a strange one so i think beyond that to make them actually feel appreciated and, and, and cared for but as you say you go well beyond that and that's to the cleaner to the um you know everyone else you're going to see in the building um that's think- so true the, the other day we were leaving for our christmas party and um I'll use the term as well, the cleaner, okay, she, she was, uh, so we didn't need to lock up, so oh, we all said, oh yeah, the cleaner's here, we don't need to lock up, but the cleaner's right there, and yeah. I said, hang on a minute, and I looked at her, and I said, what's your name? What's your, said, name? Her name what's your name? Has, her name's Evelina, okay, no, no one knew her name, so now we said, yeah. okay, Evelina's here, she's going to lock up, so she's not the cleaner anymore, she's Evelina, yeah. totally right, yeah. even down to cleaner, no matter who you are, we as uh, in our profession for positivity, for all these reasons, for, for just life, we need to see everyone. And even that yeah. means sometimes the person who's accompanying the patient or the people yeah. sat in the waiting room, when you're going down to collect a patient or you're going to the waiting room to collect a patient, say good morning, smile at everyone, make everyone feel at ease yeah. and then collect your patient. That's completely cool. I'll tell you where that's a big one. You know, when you have patients who, for example, don't speak English and you have a translator, um, what's really strange that people do is they'll speak to the translator and sort of actually don't speak to the patient anymore. You know, and it, it, it's having this dialogue with, because you're trying to communicate with both. Uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's a massive one. And, and, and I think on the topic of, of, of speaking to our patients and definitely seeing our patients, what I always think about our patients is, for us as a dentist, we have, we might have, you know, 20 exams in a day, for example. And each of those is just your, you know, if you want them to look at it like this, it could be your 11 o'clock exam. But to that patient, you are their one dentist and, you know, they are only going to be seeing you once every six months to a year. So if you have one bad uh, encounter with, with, with them, you're probably going to forget about it, whereas they're not. You know, that's like a big thing for them. It's their, their dentist have had this bad experience and it was a 15-minute exam and you could have just wrecked a relationship because of, because of that, really. Um, so I think it's important to realise that you know these are big events for people sometimes. Someone comes for a tooth out, it might be the first tooth they've had out. To you, it's just another tooth that you're going to take out. And to them, it's like sometimes a, a really big life moment. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Which leads us nicely to rule number two, uh, Dave. So uh, lead the way with rule number two. Rule number two, uh, me and Jazz decided that was create a positive environment. So rule number two, create a positive environment. Um, now this goes, you know, beyond dentistry. It's, again, it's just a whole life concept, I think, creating a positive environment. And, um, you know, like Jazz said, we, we, we've got to see everyone. Um, and that's all about the environment that you're in, the people that you work around. Um, and I think really, um, you know, if you're in a negative, toxic environment, then sometimes as goodwilled as you can be, doesn't matter what books you're reading and you know how you're trying to fire yourself up, I think you are going to go into work and be sucked down. You're going to have that energy sucked out of you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, John, I go on uh, courses and I meet certain dentists in certain practices and you can just tell they've had the life sucked out of them. Um, and I think some... 
some some big corporates have, have, have gained a name and and and, this, and they've had this tarnish to them a little bit. I think uh, that sort of feeling where actually people didn't feel like they were in a positive environment. That's and so I, true. But where I see that the most, and where it's evident for everyone, is when we go on these, uh, you know, on the on the Facebook groups. Okay. Yeah. And it's so important, I think, to to sort of make your mind like a sieve. Yeah, totally. And, and if you if you detect the tone of a post is going to be quite negative and the usual politics, you know, I just skip past it. And I'm so much happy for it. It's like in some of the books that you read, it's like some of the some key key people uh, in the world, CEOs. One one piece of advice they give is don't watch the news. It's just yeah, going to bring you down. It's, it's similar what I applied dentistry is that, you know, I only really engage in posts that are, are, are uplifting or positive or important. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, things can be a bit down, but they're important. You, we must uh, engage. But anything that's yeah. just got an undertone of gossipy, negativity, gossipy, skip it. Yeah, gossipy drivel. I mean, that's the problem. Social media has become this extension from, you know, you, you've, you've had a bad day, you've got a few things. And, you know, I was criticised a while ago for, for blocking and deleting loads of people on Facebook. Why not? Like, <laughs> why, why would I, just for the sake of, you know, not getting, why would I feel like I have to have all these people on my Facebook? Absolutely yeah. not. And, you, you know, I commend you. That's the, the right thing to do. In the same way, you know, the part of creating a positive environment is filter out negative people, negative experiences, negative vibes. Uh, uh, so that totally goes hand in hand. Yeah. And, you know, on the other tone, if, if, if I ever made someone, you know, I had someone delete me quite a while ago and then they met this, they messaged me saying, um, sorry about deleting you. I was, you just kept posting really positive things, and I was in a in a really bad place, and it was making me feel worse. And you know, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel bad by that. I just felt, well, you know, if that's what made you feel better, then yeah, block, delete me. Um, you've got to do what's working for you, I think, that's uh, right. and create that environment around you that's going to make you feel better or do what you need to do. If you adopt a mindset that everything around you is collapsing, it will be. So you've got to adopt that mindset and that, you know, create the positive environment. And that's, you know, uh, in, in all manners, so be it your online environment, your physical environment. So th that's a great piece of advice. And, and I think, you know, that's why I know for you and me, the environment we have in our home lives is just, you know, like I said, just as important. We're having to nurture this this positive environment around us, our family, people supporting you, it, you know, it means so much. I think a good thing to just end on this is, is, is a quote that I just, I just love. I think, you know, it, it, it says that, you know, when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment in which it grows, not the flower. And I think so often at dentists, we try and think we've got to fix ourselves, but actually it might be fixing the environment you're in and m ensuring that you're in a positive, supportive environment. Beautiful. So dentists and, and, and anyone connected to dentistry out there, you are the flower. Nurture your environment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I like that. So rule number three, the patient in front of you is the most important person ever when they're in front of you. So sometimes you've had a bad sort of week, bad day. You might have had an argument with someone important in your life. You might have uh, not slept very well. You might have had a flat tire. You have to forget about everything when that patient's front of you. You cannot have any, anything in your mind, a, a voice that's distracting you. You can't be thinking about the ashes, the World Cup. You can't be thinking about the, the general election. When that patient's in front of you, you need to give them your everything and they are the most important things. And someone who echoed this recently was um, Finlay Sutton. 
he was at the Tubules Congress and he, he said this that really resonated with me I thought yeah make that person you have to forget about everything for that patient are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. I mean, I think this just, we, we've almost already said it in terms of, you know, like I said, this person is coming to you and it's such a big event for them. And, and as we've said, if, if you're not then making them the most important person, then you're really doing yourself a disservice as well as the patient, I think, uh, because they're going to go away and not feel that you've had the right positive impact on them. Um, and and now, that I impacts think, on patient acceptance of treatment as well. You know, we have to talk about that. It's important. 100%. 100%. I mean, you know, I think this is one of the things that really riles me and bugs me. And as much as I think things like Instagram are great, I think what's happening with dentistry now is there's a, uh, there's a, a section of dentists almost who actually it's no longer about the patient's best interest. It's no longer about the, the person, what's in the best interest and, and what's right for that patient. It's what's going to look best on a photograph, what's going to look best on their Instagram feed. And, um, and and for me, it's everything that's wrong about dentistry at the minute. It's this ego-driven, um, oh, I need a good before and after photo. Is that the right thing for the patient? Does the patient care about the gold crown on the upper uh, upper premolar that you want to replace just because it's going to look better on your photograph? I don't think so. Um, so, you know, I think that's a big thing in dentistry at the minute. And I think some people's um, whole... Uh, workflow almost is driven by what's going to look good talking to other dentists and showing other dentists and actually we need to remember that it is all about that patient and you know if they're happy with that big amalgam on that tooth um, and they understand that it may fracture they understand mm -hmm. the risks and problems and consequence if they're happy with it Fine. It's it's okay to compromise sometimes. You know, in all things being balanced, it's okay to compromise sometimes for the best interest of the patient. Absolutely, absolutely. As long as you've had and, and like I said, best interest of the patient. As long as you have had that discussion and you've discussed and given them options about these things, you know, it, it, it's ultimately about them and their care, not about what is textbook right or. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm, I'm gonna pay you a massive compliment what you just said is literally much almost like so similar to what tiff koreshi said in my recent episode when we talk about dial and stuff you've literally said the exact same thing so that's my massive compliment to you the fact that you're in in synchrony with tiff koreshi oh do you know every, every time <laughs> tiff, every time tiff posts something i'm just like even even and we won't talk about the uh, the recent politics everything that tiff <laughs> ever says everything that tiff ever says i'm just like yeah i agree I agree with that, Tiff. Because honestly, like, like say, it's um, it's a massive compliment to be, um, but it is. It's what it's all about. And I think um, as soon as we realise that, and I think it's when people talk about don't think about the money, the money will come. 
do you know what? Just like Kiff has done, if you put the patient's interest first and tell them about things, give them the options, yeah, the treatment will come, the money will come. Um, and I'm finding that, that, for, that for myself, you know. Um, you know, as, as we've both done, we've both upskilled our endodontic skills. But if I see a tooth and it has no area, suboptimal root filling, I'll just discuss. We can redo it. There's pros and cons, always. And it is, it's them who are the most important. And no, I think it's a, it's a really important rule. And, you know, it's funny how some of our rules kind of, as much criticism as things like the General Dental Council get, as much many of our rules, actually, when you look to the core of it, are what the General Dental Council would want us to do. You know, put, patient, put patients' interest first. We're like, make patient the most important person. It, 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 is, it, it is what it is. It goes hand in hand. It is. So Absolutely. over to you, rule, rule number four. Uh, rule number four. Massive kind of, one, massive one. It, it comes on just from that last one. Rule number four, don't own the patient's problems. You know, when, when you and me sat down to look at these 12 rules, Jazz, we were really conscious, I think, and focused to make it about 12 rules to have a, a happy and relaxed and stress-free life in dentistry. It wasn't just about how to be clinically the best dentist, and, and it's, it's so much beyond that. And there are um, those rules out there already, you know, have get lubes, get magnification. That's been done. This has got a different twist to it. 100%. 100%. This is, this is, this is, I think this is bigger. You know, this is more about whatever you're doing, all these rules can be applied. So don't own the patient's problems. I think my experience is one of the reasons that dentists are so stressed is they, they, they own the patient's problems. They carry the patient's problems around with them. The biggest ones, you know, uh, deep fillings. You know, patients come in, they've got masses and massive, masses of, uh, of, of caries in a tooth, and the dentists are all stressed about, oh, this might flare up. That's not your fault. That's not your problem. It's only your fault if you've been seeing the patient for years and years and years and years and years and not taking some x-rays. Absolutely. If the patient's presented to you as a new patient and you see a huge hole, you just have a conversation. This is their hot, huge hole, not yours. And, you know, I work um, uh, half a day a week at the dental hospital with undergraduates, and I see this all the time. I see this all the time. I, you know, they, they just own all of their patients' problems. You know, oh, but he's got really loose teeth. I'm like, you just met him. Like, you take an X-ray, you, 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 you you're just going to do the things you're going to do. You've got to take an X-ray, tell them about the problems, and make them own their problems. So if someone has a deep filling, you say to them, look, <laughs> I've taken this x-ray, this is what we can see. And as a result of this, this is, what we, this is what's gonna happen. You know, We can do our best to try and do a filling. However, there is a risk that it flares up. In fact, that's very high because this is the x-ray. You, know, you, you just communicate. And that communication obviously is so important, but that's not our problem, it's our patients. Similarly with bone loss, you know, you, You've just got to let people know about it. That had, I mean, that affected me a lot in my first three years in, in clinical oh, practice. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think they're the people it does affect the most. Young dentists who, who just carry all their patients' problems around with them. Because, as well, you know, you go from a hospital environment as an undergrad where people aren't paying. So reality is what happens in that environment is everyone gets what they're told to get. You know, you say to a patient, come back for for multiple cleaning appointments. Yeah, you know, that's, that's how it's going to be. 
The difference is when you go into uh, paying into practice is that what happens there is suddenly compromises have to come because suddenly if I'm charging £500 for a root canal filling, that patient needs to know at that appointment, look, this is what's going to could happen and this is what's going to cost you. And that patient may then be saying, well, well I can't afford that. And, and that's not your problem. That's, that's not you who should be carrying that problem around with them. Uh, and I think, well, you know, we both probably found it with things like tooth wear. Tooth wear is complex. It's expensive to treat. And all we can do is tell people about it and, uh, and not own that as a problem. Now, I feel this is where I struggled in, national, in, in NHS practice. I really yeah. struggled in NHS practice because, Go on. you know, the final straw for me in NHS practice was a girl who came to me and I'd already done about three root canal fillings for, for, the, for the band two charge so you know we're talking 10 pound a root canal filling not even and you spent um, hours you spent hours 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 good quality and i know your root canals filling. yeah your, your root canals are on point good quality good quality we had done what i could and she had an upper central and uh it was root treated massively built up with composite and it fractured and she said to me you know it fractured at gingival level and i was like it's broken this, these are options Bridge, not really an option because the uh, neighbouring teeth just weren't suitable. Uh, an implant, which is the ideal, the gold standard option here. It's not going to damage any other teeth. It's going to be the ideal. Or a denture. And I did her a denture because that's what she wanted. She was an NHS exempt patient. We did her a denture and it wasn't good enough for her. And, you know, it didn't match how the teeth next to it looked. An upper central denture. And, you know... For me, what happens with the NHS is you are made to own the patient's problems sometimes. They come in, you're my NHS dentist, you know, what, what are you going to do about this? Yeah. And what I find uh, for me in private practice is that patient can come in and they can go and see any dentist they want. So I don't have to own their problems. I'm just here as someone who can offer them some solutions. And if they say, well, so-and-so down the road said he can do this, Great, go and see so and so down the road. I am obviously not as good as he is, you know. And 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 I think since I stopped owning the patient's problem, since I just started stepping back, telling people what I saw, giving them the options, I'm a I'm a hell of a lot uh, less stressed. Um, you know. This is a massive one. This right here is probably I think this is my favorite rule. What we're discussing right here because it affects so many people. And if for my mental health uh, and my yeah. cortisol levels, this has been. The, the real game changer. I know the, the word game changer is used banded around, but this really was such a massive thing. So if you're yeah, listening nah. out there and you're owning the patient's problems, and, and I'll, I'll expose myself a little bit. In, in my earlier years, I'm, I'm a highly empathetic individual. So when I yeah. remove a tooth from someone, in, as a DF1, I'd go home and I'm about to go to sleep and I'm thinking, I hope that patient's okay. I hope they don't get a dry socket. Uh, I hope they're not in too much pain right now, which is a beautiful thing in a way to be so em- empathetic. Yeah. But I, in a way that is going it's a bit too much for, for, for to affect my personal life and my emotional health so yeah. I, know, I know some people who do that but, but, you know um, young dentists do this and I've, I've, it's a very deep conversation we have so I think don't own the patient's problem and then this leads beautifully onto rule 5 absolutely rule spot on go ahead Jeff. which is don't care about a patient's teeth more than they more than they do just absolutely do not do it because you've had those situations where you're again owning the patient's problem you're stressing about it and the patient has led themselves, you know, through neg- you know, neglecting themselves into this path, uh, and they they're not that bothered. So why should you be? 
And we can no, all think honestly, of that patient. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I think, where we really struggle because we value, as dentists, we value oral health so highly. We value it so highly. We think it's like, it's our lives, you know, teeth are everything. Oh my God, how could someone lose an upper central tooth? I have sat and had conversations with someone and said, look, this tooth's really broken down. Uh, these are your options. We can take it out and look at replacement options, uh, or we can uh, try and save it at all costs. Um, and patients have just turned around and said, oh, just take it out. Absolutely. And I'm like... It's, it shocks your system, uh, doesn't it? It just shocks your system. And, and, I'm sat there like, and I'm sat there like, so what are we going to replace it with? And they're like, oh, I'll just leave a gap. And I'm like, so what? Some people do, do not care. And some people do not care because they just don't value oral health. Some people do not care because they might have other things going on in their lives. You know, and, and, and I think, again, for reducing stress for people, uh, for dentists, I think, I, I think it's, again, such an important rule. Don't care about patients' teeth more than they do. And I think you summarise it quite beautifully with that. Uh, you made it very tangible with that central incisor. I know we've all had patients who, for us, to, to, to have that same issue in our mouths, it'd be the end of the world. But and, and yeah. they, they don't seem bothered by it. So you shouldn't, you know, have those feelings in yourself. And, and, and that's another important step to being more fulfilled and happy. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I saw this a lot with, with, with gum disease, a lot with periodontal disease. I tell people, I worked in a very... Uh, I worked in Yorkshire, as you know, you graduated there, and it was a very, um, very, very, like, uh, it was a affluent area, but very sort of, a lot of the men in particular had a lot of tooth wear and a lot of perio and didn't care. <laughs> and didn't care, and every conversation, and it was frustrating because you kept having to have the same conversations, and they would just say, well, can you not just give me one of those little cleans? And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and do you know what? I got to the point where I was like, well, yeah, I can, but as long as you understand that that's not the ideal thing, and eventually you may, you may lose some teeth. Oh, that's fine. Just crack, and that was it. And I was wanting to do six-point pocket charts and multiple perio treatment appointments. They didn't want to do that. They didn't care. So perio is a I great care? example because people are always posting on there like, oh, um, I've, I've tried non-surgical root surface debridement, uh, and the patient comes back, and they're obviously not using TPs, they're obviously not brushing. Yeah, that's a perfect example of someone who doesn't care. So why should you? Yeah, you just have to do the, the, the minimum standard and advise. But there's really not much more you can do. No, absolutely not. And, and that's why I was really happy recently when the perio guidance all changed. I was like, finally, thank God, a little bit of common sense that actually, hey, do you know what? Someone's got a lot of inflammation. You're giving them a toothbrush. You're getting rid of some of the big deposits and sending them away till they start using it. Um, you know, again, it's something I think we struggle with in particular young dentists, when they've just graduated, they're coming out all keen, they need to do all the gold standard treatment, I need to do a six-point pocket chart here, I need to do this here, I need to do that here. And here, you're going to see some people and they've just got ridiculously high caries risk. doesn't matter what you do, they're going to come back with new carious lesions every three months. And if they don't care, why should you? Why should you spend hours trying to do these restorations that you saw on Instagram? Just, just, <laughs> just, just, just restore, just restore the caries. And it, it, honestly, I just, I just think people sometimes try and I, they literally we do we care more about our patients' teeth than some patients do. And I think at the same end, I think when we have patients who have extremely high expectations, 
and they care about something um, very minor, we should still care. Because on the topic of, you know, don't care about patients' teeth more than they do, if they really care about them, then we should, I think, uh, respect that and we should care just as much. Beautiful. I, see I love people, that. I see people who come in who say, I really don't like, uh, and it's something really minor. And, and, and I just say, have you not discussed this with your dentist? And they say, yeah, he said it's fine. And I'm like, but it's, does it bother you? Yeah, it bothers me. So why are we not discussing options for you? You know, Absolutely. Like, if it bothers we, them, we, they're the most important person, once again. That's it. We've got a huge spectrum and some people don't care, so we shouldn't care about their teeth. We should still give them all the options and et cetera, et cetera. But when we have those patients with ridiculously high expectations and they care a lot, we should honour that and respect it. And hey, do you know what? If someone's got code ones uh, in all their uh, sextants for the BPE and they really care about their oral health, we should be looking to see how we get to them to all zeros. Beautiful. That's so true. You know, why shouldn't you know? Why are we not talking to those patients about TP brushes when they're not using them? They've already got an electric toothbrush, and you know, I think especially if you're a busy general dentist, there's that worry that someone like that comes in and they're just like, oh, fine, someone with no not doesn't need anything. See you later. See you in six months. And no, everyone we should be. Like you say, we should be treating everyone as the most important person. If their expectations are high and they they demand a lot from themselves, if they've got the slightest thing that we detect, some minor tooth wear, a little bit of bleeding, we should tell them about it and we should take them to that next level, I think. Beautifully said, and that leads on again, beautifully, to rule number six, which is on the topic of ultra high uh, demanding patients, if you like, is trust your gut. Now, we've all had that patient where we regret taking this case on and maybe you took it on because you wanted the experience or you wanted uh, to do a specific type of case or you, you generally wanted to help someone, but you really did not undersell and you really found it difficult to over deliver in that case because the exp expectations are sky high. So sometimes you, you get that feeling, that really sick feeling in your gut before you're, even during a new patient consult that actually, uh, am I sure I want to do this? There's something, there's something quite fishy about it. I mean, do you, 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 you have that feeling, right? You get that gut feeling as well, right? 100%. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's funny because you talk about Tiff Qureshi before and just to bring it back onto Tiff Qureshi, obviously yeah. he adv advocates a lot of also uh, GDP also for his patients, uh, done in a safe way. And, and what Tiff talks about quite a lot recently is how a lot of young dentists are going looking for these Instagram patients oh, let me do some marketing, let me pull in some new patients, some new patients. And actually what a lot of people are doing is they're ignoring those regular, everyday patients that they're seeing in their practice. They are the safe people that you know, you've built up rapport with, you've got this relationship with, and actually you've already got that gut feel and everything's, and everything's usually fine. I see, you know, when we, when we do bring these patients in from places like Instagram, <laughs> It's never been more important to trust your gut and sometimes you just get these vibes of people and they're just never worth it. It doesn't matter how much you're going to charge, they're never worth treating because you'll constantly then see their name in your book and you, you, you just think, I wish I'd never touched them. Don't treat someone that you can't have a laugh with on that same vein. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who you are never going to be in rapport with and it, it makes it really difficult. I think... If you can, if you can sort of cultivate a patient base who thinks like you think, you will just have the easiest time. Because you will have be such a great uh, career. 
if you attract those certain love, patients. Absolutely, you're going to love what you do. And, and on the same token, in a positive, um, in a positive breath for Instagram, that is the benefit. When you do your own marketing, you will attract the patients that you want to treat, who are like you. It's why on my Instagram, I've always had my personal life. Hey, I get patients coming in. Oh, I came to see you because you've got a Dalmatian. I've got a Dalmatian. Oh, and that's awesome. Suddenly, suddenly you're in this, like, <laughs> it, it, it's bizarre. But it's why I sometimes think it's hard to separate your uh, dental life from your personal life. It, should, it shouldn't have to be it, the case. Yeah, it shouldn't have to be the case. I, I, absolutely not. And you should... And similarly, if you want to showcase what you do and you want to market, make sure you're very genuine with that. So you're marketing what you're actually about, because otherwise you're going to attract people who you who you actually don't want to treat. You know, you don't want to treat those people. And and I think you know, trusting your gut. And one thing that we we can never overlook is is just like you said, is the patient attached to their teeth. So what we see on on things like Facebook is someone will post a case and say. Um, or, you know, I, I do some teaching with Invisalign and someone will bring a case along and they'll say to you, do you think I can treat it? And you'll go through all the dental side of it. And fundamentally, you think, I can't tell you whether to treat this patient because I've never met the patient. And that can be the make or break whether you should treat them. You don't know what the goals are. I think ultimately it hinges on the patient's goals. Absolutely. And it, it, it hinges on what, what they are expecting. Do they want the very best? And if you can't provide that or in any doubt, then then no, you, you don't want to treat that, <laughs> you know? So everyone, trust your gut. When you have that sinking feeling, you'll never regret not seeing a patient. That's basically what we're trying to get to here. So, uh, you, never, you never remember the ones you never treated, dear, ever. Exactly, exactly. So that's the first half of rules done. Now complete switch. Uh, Dave, take away the next two rules. Quite nice ones. Yeah, so our next rules, um, I think the first ones all seemed more focused on the patient and that interaction between dentist and patient. I think our uh, other rules are more focused on you as an individual, as a dentist. Yep. So rule seven, take time to take care of yourself. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Jordan Peterson's book. This is what he kind of inspired us to sit and write 12 rules. And, you know, Jordan Peterson says in his book, one of his rules is treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. And John Peterson talks about um, people who own dogs and cats and the statistics show that people are actually better at administering prescription medications to their pets than they are to themselves. And, you know, this, when I read the book, uh, it just ran a chord with me. I was like, it, it, it's so true. It's, you know, as dentists, we spend all our day helping others and trying to care for others that actually what we do, we've seen so often in the profession is that people are running themselves into the ground. Mm -hmm. They are just not taking the time to care about their own health, uh, to care about their own mental health, their own physical health. And as a result, we've got this absolutely, um, you know, stressed and tired profession. Can I just interject there? I mean, before I forget this point is that uh, I went to Barry Alton's uh, two-day communications course and one interesting stat that he shared, which really was uh, mind-blowing, and I felt as though almost I knew it, but the real scale of it was, you know, surface, which is about 17% of our profession, okay, uh, when they did the surveys, have um, had suicidal thoughts. I mean, yeah. we know that dentistry is supposed to have the highest suicide rates, but when you actually, you know, there's five dentists in a room, one of you may have had suicidal thoughts. 
that's really scary. And and one thing that um, he discussed about, and also what Hassan Khan discussed about in terms of his communication courses, that uh, is um, Amy Cudd's uh, TED talk about power poses, and how actually yeah. in de- in dentistry we're all all like this, right? And yeah. your physiology, your body, okay, has a big effect on your uh, sort of the neuroscience and your positivity. So um, take time to take, look after yourself, but also uh, I think one thing you're going to talk about now is stretching and, and actually yeah. lifting your body posture because that has a profound impact on your overall mood and mental health. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I, um, I, I one of the first things when I, when I graduated, I became kind of known in the little dental communities for like the fitness side of things and the gym. And hey, what was funny about that was I was very into kind of bodybuilding. I was, and you know, I kind of hit this point where I was like, actually, you know what? I need to take better care of myself. I looked like I was physically fit, but my my health wasn't good. I I went to the gym, I killed some weights. That's all I did. I didn't, um, I've, I've always eaten well. But I, but I didn't do enough stretching. I didn't do enough cardiovascular work. Uh, and I think, you know, for me, we've actually got to really think about the health side of things. And, hey, we know that personal, that, that, that uh, physical and mental health are so well connected. So as you say, when you spend that entire day in physically draining positions, be that kind of muscularly uh, tiring positions, um yeah, you've got to have your magnification. <laughs> we, we obviously try and do a, a list like this without mentioning it, but it's hard that's not true. to because it comes uh, back uh, to... That's why magnification is one benefit, but actually having a microscope and your posture's up is just a, a, oh, a great thing to it, consider, actually. It's just another level. And then, you know what? Stand up. Like you said, stand up between your patients. Stand up. Walk around. You know, I, I'm... I'm um, any dentist who's ever worked with me will know that I'm one of these dentists who, if I have everyone's books up and I see someone doesn't have a patient in, and I don't have a patient in, I'm, I always I always get up, I leave my surgery, I go talk to them. You know, for me, these are sort of, that's just taking care of yourself. That's making sure that you're interacting and you're walking around and you're, you're not sat mm-hmm. in this one position. And I, I appreciate that there are dentists listening to this who don't even feel like they've got time to go to the toilet. Oh my and gosh. to them, to, to them, what I would say is, I would just say redirect yourself back to rule two, which is create a positive environment, and 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 recognize that things have to be different than that. They have to be, otherwise, all you're going to do is you're going to run yourself down. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's just something that you know early, you know, being forced to retire early with financial commitments and. I just don't think it's something that anyone should should be having to do. Or, or back problems. So, so you know, one thing that we have to, because this is 12 rules for dentistry, not just for dentists, is that yeah. um, 94% of dentists will retire with backache. I don't know if you knew that, 94%. But <clears throat> do you know what percentage of nurses will retire with back, back problems? Probably a higher percentage. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> it's true. So, so, so one yeah. thing I'm always doing is that when I'm doing my dentistry, I'm actually looking at my, my, my nurse. And I'm actually sometimes suggesting that, are you, are you comfortable? Are you, are you okay there? How's your back feeling? And sometimes that's a reminder yeah. for, for my nurse. So you know what, yeah, you're right. Let me, let me fix up here. So look out for one or the other. Uh, and w- one good piece of advice I was also given on the same vein was how much money do we spend on equipment, right? As, as, as dentists and dentistry, the most important equipment, most important bit of machinery is yourself. So maybe yeah, uh, totally. go to the yoga, uh, have a physiotherapist, get some massages, 
because you, you know your body is an uh, important piece of equipment it, everything hinges on that so that's a, a, a good way to sort of reflect on it yeah no, absolutely I think I couldn't agree with, with you more I think uh, we have to you know the analogy I can't remember which book I read it in um, we read that many kind of, of, of these development books um, but, but in the book he's talking about um, when you're on a plane they always say when in there's an emergency, put your own oxygen mask on before you help anyone else. And that's what it comes down to. It's like, if you don't help yourself, you will no longer be able to help other people. Mm. So if you retire with backache, suddenly you're not there for all your patients. You're having to take time off work. You're having to, so if you're not looking after number one, if you're not looking after yourself, you can't help your family, you can't help your patients, you can't help your team. So actually, like you say, everything's hinging on you and your health. And what's really frustrating is I think a lot of us know this, but we still continue to drive ourselves into the ground. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, yeah, it's common you know, knowledge, but we don't surface it. Absolutely. You know, oh, uh, you know I'm, I'm, I work seven days a week so I can help all my patients. You think, who, long term, are you helping your patients? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. working seven days a week at some point that will break you it will it will break you because you've not had the time to have a good personal life and a life outside of dentistry or it'll break you from a health point of view because you spend so much time hunched over doing doing that you know um in, in positions that are bad for your back and for your neck and things like your musculoskeletal system mm-hmm. cool rule eight rule eight is Focus on your own journey. And, you know, we've talked about social media a few times here, and it is, it's, I think the hardest thing now is there is so much noise. There's so much noise that, you know, you have suddenly been bombarded with what other people are doing. And I think the biggest challenge here is what you're actually being bombarded with is never the reality, it's this distorted highlight reel. Um, you know, you're being bombarded with positive messages about, oh, my day is so great, look at this, look at that. And I think sometimes we just have to block out the noise and really focus on, on ourselves, focus on our own journeys. Amen. Now, and I've had this conversation so many times with, with in particular young dentists who are particularly yeah. at dental school or just graduating. Mm-hmm. Because I say, you know, what what do what do you want to do? Well, um, my friends uh, are applying for a, a hospital position and this and that, and and I and I'm like, but what do you want to do? What what's your what do you what do you see? Where do you see yourself? What is your journey? What is what are you destined to do? What excites you? What interests you? Mm-hmm. Hey, do you know what? It may be something that doesn't interest me at all. I've talked to people who say, oh, well, I'm really interested in dental public health. That was never for me. But if that's for someone else, then they should absolutely run with it. They should absolutely run with it. We need more people like that. Absolutely. This is how the profession is all built. The profession is built on some people enjoying things and some people not enjoying them. And and everyone should just really, as, as cheesy as it is about following your passion, you've got to really, I think, dig inside yourself and say, okay, well, what is it that I like doing? And then find a path and go do that. Focus on your own journey. Focus on things that you enjoy. 
sometimes the earlier years you are on a path of discovery and that's completely cool, cool to just be open to yourself like I'm discovering um, I think I like this and you, you give it a go because if you don't give it a go then you'll never really know so you, you give it a go but then you're always sort of feeding back and say okay is this what I'm really enjoying how can I make this even better how can I now change my environment to design the life how I want it on, as part of your own journey and the other thing I want to say Dave is um, or never compare yourself to someone else especially on social media never ever compare your work to someone else um, yeah. they're in a different place they're in a different journey to you but always do compare yourself to where you were a few years ago totally yeah. that's completely acceptable to do that because that's how you know if you're making progress are you growing yeah absolutely and uh, you know I think that that is one of the again I didn't talk about the mental health side of things that is one of the biggest problems now and you know I totally agree with you about the first years of dentistry trying to get that exposure to as many things as possible mm -hmm. uh, you know it's well known now that undergraduates are graduating with far too little practical experience and that's no fault of the dental schools that is uh, a lot of different factors involved in that um, but what we, we, we're graduating having done one molar endo no orthodontics and um, one surgical extraction perhaps yeah and there's no way that at that point you are ready, in my opinion, to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. And I think Agreed. It's, where, it's where we really need to bring in specialist pathways for people later on. You know, at the minute, everything is built on from day one of graduating, you have to go into this hospital position, go into this and go into this if you want to become a specialist. MFTS, tick box. Uh, absolutely, tick, tick, tick. All you're doing is just ticking off these boxes, and before you know it, you're blinking and thinking, "Yeah, I'm a specialist in this. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a professor of, you know, this, but I never actually got to go out and experience as much as possible." And you know, um, I think my view is the first five years. Uh, which is what we've just probably come to the end of. I think we're about year six or seven now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, fine. You know, first five years for me was spent going on courses in everything. I went on an implant course. I placed implants. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't for me. S same here. I placed about four implants, and it, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. You know, I, I, and and I think. But that might change, Dave, that might change. Me and you might you know, look at 10 years from now, look back at this uh, uh, episode and think, oh, we're both placing implants now. But uh, as, yeah. in terms of our progression, what we enjoy at the moment, it doesn't uh, fit in with our uh, in what we enjoy. And then that's totally cool. It's completely cool to say, here's a bit of dentistry I want to do because I enjoy them. Here's the bits that are not for me at this moment in time. And that's completely yeah. fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I was always like that with, it's like dentures. I've never enjoyed dentures. Uh, I don't like doing dentures, I have no interest in them, um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it can be down to, uh, and you'll talk about this shortly, it might, it, sometimes it's down to the people you meet. Sometimes you meet someone, you go on, you know, you don't enjoy dentures, you go on one course with Finley Sutton, and suddenly you're like, I love dentures. <laughs> dentures are my thing. He, he certainly and, has that effect on people. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that is what it's about sometimes. I think, like you say, you can only kind of, go on how you feel at the minute and I think if you don't enjoy aspects of dentistry and again I don't mean to criticise the National Health Service but the NHS problem with being an NHS dentist is you do not get that choice you do not get that choice you are in a contract to do everything you can't say and, and, and if you do say this which some do with things like molar endo you are breaking your contract it is 
it is uh, unethical and wrong to be in a contract and then say, well, I don't really do molar endos, so you'll have to go private. No, it doesn't work like that. You have signed this contract, that's what you're saying you can do. If you don't like aspects of dentistry in private practice, you tell people, I am not the best man for this. I, I am not the person to help you for, with this. My colleague, and you direct people to the right people. And that's how these uh, private practices really thrive. That actually what ends up happening is the people who like doing certain things do it. And the people who don't like something don't have to do that anymore. Would you want your family member or even you to have brain surgery by someone who doesn't like doing brain surgery? No, never. I, I, I know it's a, we're talking about teeth. It's just teeth. And at the end of the day, guys, it's just teeth, right? But uh, it's important, okay? And this, this is what we this, this is part of our values. So um, you need to see someone who, who actually enjoys what they're doing. And you've got to be enjoying what you're doing to, to, to make it work for everyone. So what you touched on was uh, meeting the right people and having the right people on board. So rule number nine is, I'm going to just make this quite a quick one because I think, you know, we, we have touched on this in, in previous reincarnations is have mentors. Uh, and one thing I want to say is that people always say, oh, it's so difficult to find a mentor. Well, it's 2019, almost 2020, okay? It has never been easier to have a mentor, okay? If you're a dentist in the 1950s, okay, how do you find a mentor? Maybe local meetings, you definitely wouldn't see any international dentists, or very difficult to do so. And if you wanted to discuss a case, you probably weren't taking photos to be able to show someone, you're sort of just describing things. Nowadays, you can take photos, you can beam them across the internet within milliseconds to someone else in Costa Rica who's a great dentist for whatever reason, and then you're just um, exchanging radiographs and information, you have video calls. It has never been easier to find a mentor. And I always say a mentor is not necessarily someone who you have, you've actually met. You can have mentors who are uh, who you've never met before, but who are um, sharing excellent information and you're learning from them. They are in, in, in some way is a mentor to you and um, you are the average of the five dentists you spend the most time with that and that includes people who, who you know what books are you reading who are you listening to what courses are you going on so uh, find a mentor and it's never been easier and don't say it's oh I can't find a mentor just send that email send that message and you'll find that some of the uh, most ex successful and best dentists out there are so generous with their time and knowledge so willing to help couldn't agree more I think it's, like you say it doesn't need elaborating on because um I have just been blown away since graduating how many phenomenal people are willing to just help out of the goodness, not looking for anything in return. Um, you know, and you know, my my goal has always been that, you know, eventually I want to give back just how they are to me. Uh, and I think it's why I try and do so much with with young dentists where we've been already because you know you you can relate to where they're coming from. It's nice to be able to sort of give back and help with that. Um, but no, absolutely. There's no better time to be a dentist. There's no better networking opportunities, I don't think, than, than what there is now. Opportunities are plentiful, so, so exploit them, everyone. Uh, rule, <clears throat> rule number 10 is there is no shame in saying to your patients or saying to anyone that you don't know. It's completely okay to say the three famous words, I don't know. You know I, I sometimes, patients ask me something like, why is this like that? Or why was that not found? Or... Um, why do I have this bone type appearance on this radiograph? I don't know, I'm just making up something random. And if you don't know, it's like, you know what? I don't know, but I know someone who might be able to help. Uh, or, yeah. or, or, or if you want to sound really clever, you can say, 
it is not known. And these nuggets, <laughs> these nuggets have been given to me by someone called Barry Glassman, who uh, does a fantastic lecture for S4S. Uh, and it's completely, you know, it's a great sense of um, joy that you get in a way that you break the shackles from having to know everything all the time. So I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, but I think it's fairly, fairly self-explanatory in the sense that, you know, if, you, if someone asks you something and you don't know, just smile and say, you know, I don't know, or, or it's not known. If it genuinely isn't known, why something is the way it is, so it's not known and there's no shame in you know, not knowing everything. I think, I, no, I, I totally agree. Again, it doesn't need much elaboration, but it is, for me, one of the most powerful phrases I have brought into my practice um, you know I, I don't know and I think what patients really see with that is that you're genuine and real you, you're not trying to BS them you're not trying to you know um, well it's because uh, I don't know I, I don't know and, and as you say and I think the, the power is when you can say I don't know but and you can say I don't know but I can find out or I don't know but I can and I think this goes for so, you know, when people do, do lecturing and you ask someone a question and they don't know and they stand there and dribble out this answer to you mm. and you think, you think, just say you don't know. Just say you don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a huge one, this comes down to with things like tooth wear and the more complex dentistry gets, people come in and say, can you help me? And I think it's that power way saying, I don't know, or, or uh, can you help me? What do I need? At the minute, I don't know what you need, but I can find out. And this is what we need to do to do that. We need to do photographs. We need to do mounted study models. You're giving them a journey, but you're telling them right now, I don't know. Yeah. And we're so drilled in as dentists, you know, oh, give patients a treatment plan the first time you meet them. A complex dentistry, you can't do that. You have to say, I don't know. I need to do some further investigations. I need to go and find out. And I think, now, like you say, I think there's a lot of power in that. Brilliant. Rule so last two rules, 11, 11, 12. Come on, Dave. Uh, 11, 12, they're very brief because I think we've covered so much. Um, rule 11, if you're not enjoying things, something needs to change. And I think, as I say, we don't really need to talk about this too much because everything we've been talking about, about creating a positive environment, about trusting your gut and enjoying what you, everything comes down to if you don't think this is how you're currently operating and this is how things currently are for you, I think the first step is recognizing something needs to change. Yeah. And once you recognize that and you come out of the denial of, well, this is how it is, don't be a victim. Don't be a victim. Take off that victim t-shirt and just realize that actually things need to change and you need to identify what needs to change and it may be you need to do less UDAs. It may be that you need to, maybe as extreme as you need to move practice. You might need to work with a different nurse. You may need to, you may need to take another uh, job elsewhere so you can get some experience and some insight. You might need in to work less aspect. days. You may need to drop a day. Um, you know, and I think as soon as you recognize that something needs to change, that's when you're in control, that's when power happens, because at that point, then suddenly you can make things change and you can go on to, to have such a happy, uh, happy time in dentistry. It's like the flower analogy again, basically, you know, it's not the flower needs to change, it's the environment and that, you know, it's already been touched on. So that's, uh, that's quite good in that way.
That's it. And it's down to you, as I say, to recognise that, hey, if you're unhappy and you're miserable in dentistry, why? Why are you unhappy and miserable? Get a, get a piece of paper, write down all the reasons why you think you're unhappy and miserable. And, you know, it may be, uh, well, I need to treat different sorts of patients. How are you going to do that? Come with an action plan for each one. Uh, I'm working too long hours. Go and have those conversations. Do I need to work these hours? Can I condense my time and do different things? Can I book longer for a new patient exam or a or an examination in general? You know, for me, five minute children exams, ten minute adult exams was not enough. And hey, I appreciate that some people feel forced that they have to do that. Why not just work five minutes? You know, five minutes more. You know, 15 minute exams. This, these five minutes are crucial to for your own uh, for your own sanity. I think really. Never mind Absolutely. anything else. Um, and I think that takes us on really nicely again to rule 12, which is enjoy the present moment and the journey. And I think as dentists, we are very. A lot of us are very Type A personalities. We're very focused and very driven. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, I was I was reading Michelle Obama's book uh, recently, which was very good. And, and you know, she, she talks about the um, the cycle that she found herself caught in, which was the effort achieve, effort achieve, effort achieve. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we're we, we're down in we're doing our GCSEs, and it's effort, and we achieve. We get all those near stars or whatever the new grading systems are, ones and nines. We get um, <laughs> we, we get all the top grades. What happens? We move on to AS, we move on to A-levels. Effort achieve, we get all our A's at A-level. What do you want to do next? I want to go to dental school. Effort achieve, again, constantly, you're moving to that next level. You're at university, each year it's just effort achieve. And sometimes you're too busy, you know, there's a quote that says, you know, life is what happens, you know, it's all about, sometimes we're so busy making goals that actually we miss out on life. Mm-hmm. We actually, we actually, we actually forget to just enjoy the journey, and we graduate, and then we dentists, then we want to specialise, and, and you're constantly on this actual, and actually you just need to you're enjoy that. the next big thing. Absolutely, you're constantly chasing something. You're chasing the next thing. You're chasing, uh, and and do you know what? There's always going to be a next thing if you're not careful, just to just be present in the moment and think. Do you know what? If I'd have, like you say, you've got to compare yourself to work where you were two years ago. If you can look back and say, this is where I was two years ago. If I'd have said to myself two years ago, this is where I'm going to be now, would, would, would I be happy with that? And, and that's know, a question for that, everyone to ask themselves. And, and, and you know, there's no right or wrong answer. So everyone should just reflect. And the answer is, I'm not happy. Then you, that sort of sets a tone for your next two years. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to... Uh, always be but for me as I say it's really trying to be present and really enjoy and appreciate where I am and uh, and, and I think we should all do that I think we should all uh, for better or for worse stop and reflect on where we are um, but enjoy the, the journey not just getting some more letters because every letter you get after your name you know if you get into that cycle you end up very lonely and miserable feeling like life passed you by but with hundreds and hundreds of letters after your name and for me that's that's, that's not success for me, uh, but success, as we, as we could always talk about, is, is so personal and so different. So anything you want to add on that? On, on that, what I'm going to say is I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing that's saying to, and it's so important to enjoy the now. On the flip side, I do think that as dentists, um, one, one good piece of advice I was given by an oral surgeon uh, was that never as a dentist stay stagnant. Don't, don't yeah. become stagnant. Always be 
upskilling or trying something new or, or uh, putting yourself out of your comfort zone because that's where growth happens but not yeah. for the sake not for the sake of present happiness and to actually be mindful of the present moment so you've got to find that balance you shouldn't stagnate and I don't think you're, you're, you're trying to say to, to stagnate and just accept the status quo but really yes develop yourself and look for the next big, next big thing but also appreciate the beauty and the power of now yeah, no, absolutely. That's it. It's you know, I was always told, you know, if you stay still, you if you stay still, you're going backwards, and it's true because things are changing all the time. So you have to keep evolving. But you have to enjoy that journey and appreciate and have the gratitude to just be like, wow, you know, things are really good, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and um, whilst you know, still looking at the next thing. Um, so appreciate where you are, whilst still looking forward and trying to move forward. I think. Dave, thank you so much for that. <clears throat> thank you for joining me. It's been uh, really uh, fun uh, chatting to you about these 12 rules. I knew it would be. And I just want to say I'm so excited for you. Uh, you know, your fingers, you're going to become a father soon and it's going to be life-changing. So uh, I wish you all the best, you and Chloe, all the best for that. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for injecting our profession with positivity, with more muscular hypertrophy uh, and, with all <laughs> <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, the last, six, seven years knowing you and as I say now, appreciate, appreciate uh, coming on. So there we have it, 12 rules for dentistry. What did you think of those rules? Uh, come up with your own, let me know what they are. Um, the, the first one actually, when, when people saw the first one, which was see everyone by text, every, a few people messaged me saying, what are you talking about see everyone? We shouldn't be seeing all our patients, you know, we should be very selective. But obviously once you actually listen to the episode, you see that actually, what I mean by see everyone is quite different uh, by what you might think by title. So thanks for listening. I mean, I really appreciate you listening all the way to the end of this very long episode. Uh, and I, you know, I look forward to, to connect, connecting with you again in 2020. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it, guys. Catch you soon. Thank you.